This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Whenever we've got legal questions outstanding, defer to the more intelligent folk on the file, and that includes our friend Joseph Newberger, Global News Radio's legal expert from Newberger and Partners, and he's joined the Oakley Show this afternoon. Hello, Joseph. Hi, John. You're too kind. Joe, uh, on this matter, I mean, before we get into some other stuff here, uh, yeah. for Gretchen to weigh in this way, I mean, I guess, you know, he's the ex, you know, prime minister and he's got contacts and maybe still respected by uh, many there in mainland China. To suggest that we should skip the extradition, he's kind of playing with fire here, isn't he? Absolutely right. It would be insane to uh, kowtow to the pressure of China and then completely disregard our international obligations when it comes to extradition and treaties that were signed on. That would be a horrible, horrible decision. All right. Uh, tick in the box. Let's move on to some other okay. matters. Uh, I've got to ask you the outstanding question uh, in the last hour anyway. Uh, I heard from a caller who said he'd been in the system. When it comes to these cuts to legal aid, uh, he had maintained that uh, if you do not allow uh, somebody who's been accused and in a bail hearing to retain their own legal counsel, in effect a private lawyer uh, rather than duty counsel uh, on the public payroll, this will be uh, maybe a misadministration of justice, and people will languish in jail in greater numbers as a result. How do you see it? Yeah, I, I think that's a fair comment. So the public may think <clears throat> that paying for bail hearings for people who are accused of offenses, who are who qualify for legal aid and who otherwise would not be able to afford a lawyer. So these are people of very marginal um, existence with when it comes to income will result in possibly individuals remaining in custody for longer periods of time than they should or being denied bail because there's only so many duty counsel who are available at the courthouses. They have very limited time to interview people and who are going to be their sureties. And in certain cases, the allegations may be more serious than sort of -of run-of-the-mill matters. And so they need the time to spend with a client and the sureties in order to present a proper release plan and address the issues of the Crown. So I think this is sort of short-term gain for long-term pain here, where um, it's going to result in more people being detained or not being reached, uh, where there's tremendous pressure on the system already because there's not enough investment in the infrastructure. And then, and then if people continue to be unrepresented, they pull very strongly on the resources of the criminal justice system as opposed to those who are represented by counsel. So I think this is just going to be a mistake at a number of levels, unfortunately. And yet, last hour, we spoke to uh, PC MPP Ross Romano from Sault Ste. Marie, one-time practicing lawyer, and actually in his early career had logged some time as a duty counsel. He claimed this was just closing off a loophole uh, that was really unnecessary, and uh, that lawyers who were complaining about this, and I guess now we're understanding you would be one such, were just feathering their own nests or looking after their own interests. Look, for what legal aid pays for a bail hearing, it's a joke. So I don't think... How much is that, by the way? Like two, three hundred bucks. I mean, it's nothing. Uh-huh. It's literally nothing. I mean, if you have to spend, uh, you know, an hour and a half or, or with the sureties and then interviewing the client and then go to court and sit there all day, this is, you know, a loser. It's, it's a financial loss to a lawyer. But at least there's some compensation. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a pittance as compared to the expertise that's required to run a bail hearing appropriately. And so... Um, you know, for, for some MPP to suggest that this is lining their pockets, maybe up in Sault Ste. Marie, where his cows cost $50,000, maybe to him that was a way of making a living. It's not making a living in the greater Toronto area. 
And a lot of lawyers who do legal aid are doing it really for the benefit of the system and not necessarily for their own benefit. So, I, you know, I, I gristle really at that position. Uh, and they're not hiring more duty counsel. If they hire duty counsel, they got to pay them, and they have to pay them properly. So I just see this as a shifting of money from one end to another and trying to pander again to some people in the public who might say, that's great, tougher on crime. The, these, these criminals don't need uh, my money to help them uh, get out of jail. So you're saying it's ill-advised and perhaps they didn't do enough, uh, what, due diligence on this file, this matter, uh, to see all of the implications? That's right. I mean, I, we're seeing this with some of the cuts that this government is doing, and I'm disappointed about it because I was hopeful with the conservative government coming in, and there would be good fiscal responsibility, but intelligent cuts. Um, this, like others, I don't think is a very intelligent cut at all. I think it's just going to lead to more pain for the system um, where there could be staying of charges as a result of people who languish into custody. And I think in the end, it's going to cost more money to the system because you're just going to shift the burden onto the attorney general's budget versus the legal aid budget. Again, with Joe Newberger, Global News Radio's legal expert, uh, another matter then. Let me just uh, shift gears. You've given us your point of view, uh, Mr. Romano, last hour with his or the government's. Uh, still with the Ford government, the chief of staff, this is Dean French, is uh, suing former PC caucus member uh, Randy Hillier, who was drummed out of the caucus. I guess they said he wasn't a team player. Uh, and this is the argument the French makes, I guess, in his uh, letter of intent to sue that uh, when uh, Hillier was kicked off the Tory team, he began a libelous and defamatory campaign against him, and he posted several tweets, again, this is French's allegation, that were outrageous and completely unsupported allegations. Um, and, I mean, he goes into some detail about using his email server to cast fraudulent votes in Alberta's 2017 United Conservative Party leadership race, saying French did that. Uh Hillier's withdrawn, or at least he's actually uh, tweeted in response an apology. French says it was inadequate. Uh, from a legal standpoint, is that kind of apology adequate, or uh, is it not? What would be, let's say, uh, something to remediate the situation before it goes to court? I, I think some sort of a, a more stronger public statement made by Hillier, along with maybe some sort of a settlement of damages, uh, maybe you know, maybe you know, a contribution to a charity of of French's choice, because these these comments were exceptionally reckless and can be very damaging uh, to a public official, uh, especially things of this nature, because it's not just saying bad things or inappropriate things. It's highly fraudulent type of uh, allegations which he's making. And now that he's, I guess, apologized and made a retraction, his situation has not got better. Uh, and um, and the, the defamation lawsuit, I think, has very strong legs to stand on against this individual, and um, they may want to uh, take some steps to try and settle this uh, out of court appropriately. In these matters of defamation and libel, for example, uh, how does social media sort of uh, compound the problem or uh, amplify it? Because once posted, uh, I mean, see, in a paper, you can always have a correction or a retraction, but these things have an afterlife on social media. And I, I don't know, can you do uh, enough damage repair through social media to uh, mitigate anything or, you know, even withdraw some of these statements that, you know, don't have any foundation? You, you make an excellent point because in social media, it, things are said all the time, and we have this concern now about fake news, which is promulgated through all various uh, avenues of social media, and it's out there. And even though somebody make a public statement and then they make a retraction, and that's also going to be on social media, you know, you can still find these comments somewhere on the Internet. You have to have, 
you have to engage highly skilled uh, tech experts in order to try and suppress uh, many of these comments which are on the internet and you're never going to be able to get it all and you know maybe there are some segments of, of society who happens to see this they believe it and so the damage just keeps going on and going on so that's why I think that the whole area of defamation and this area of law is really growing and changing according to the times of the technology because it's just not like stating something in a newspaper like the old days or on radio or on you know, on, on a TV where you can make the retraction. This is something that's going to live on uh, and on and on and through social media. So you make an excellent point. I think it compounds the problem. And there, there will need to be some regulations and mechanisms put into place for, for this type of information to be extracted or purged from the social media system. Be interesting to watch uh, how we do, I guess, put genies back in the bottle through social media. Joseph, it's always a great day for talk radio. When you join us, I appreciate it as always. Thank you for having me on. Have a great show as usual, John. Thank you, Joseph Newberger, Global News Radio's legal expert with Newberger and Partners. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 